I'm Danny Stover, and this is Today in T.O., a podcast that takes a look at the biggest stories in the city and connects the dots on what's going on. On today's episode, you'll fall down the well. Not literally, but you will find out more about the new mixed-use community in Toronto's King West neighborhood that for a time was home to one of the largest holes in North America. It's bougie, but we are talking about a parcel of land bordered by Spadina Front in Wellington, so you might come to expect that. But there are some really cool and innovative things happening there, and it's been a long time coming. Plus, you'll find out more about Draper Street, where you'll still find the quaint birthplace of the Honorable Lincoln Alexander, Canada's first Black Member of Parliament. That's all coming up on Today in T.O. Well, what do we have here? Bordering Front, Spadina, and Wellington, Toronto's newest mixed-use neighborhood has been about a decade in the making, and at one point was both the largest construction site in North America and the biggest hole, which I find hilarious. Now, the well is a hub of retail, restaurants, office and residential spaces, with a big focus on walkability, sustainability, community, and art. It's nearly eight acres, and that includes about 1.2 million square feet of office space, 320,000 of retail, 1.6 million square feet of residential, about 1,700 units, split between three residential rentals and three condos. It's expected to draw about 22,000 daily visitors when it's all said and done. And it's almost all said and done. The well has been like I said, a decade in the making, with construction on the project breaking ground about seven years ago. Anthony Caslinguida is the general manager of the well, and there's a really cool, perhaps obvious story behind the name. There's so many different opportunities to actually go and create folklore in terms of how we did it. Um, I will say that it's simply a matter of the fact that we're on Wellington. We thought it works very well. See how I'm using the word well constantly here. But also, we do have a large well underneath the uh, the complex. It's about seven, seven and a half million liter tank of, of we'll call it this liquid, um, that in the summer provides cooling and in the winter provides heating. Um, and the, it's, it's the N-Wave, um, we'll call it deep lake water uh, system um, whereby um, you know originally it was put into Lake Ontario basically a loop which utilized the you know four degree temperature of Lake Ontario to basically create cool down the water which then went into office buildings in order to create the cooling. What we've done is created um, not only this well that provides us heating and cooling for the, the complex but provides an extension of this particular thermal, we'll call it heating and cooling system to be spread and to be expanded westward into King West. It's very cool. The the images on the release I was sent, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe it's under there. Yeah, you know, it's a very simplistic system. Basically, it's 
it's it's water that travels or or conditioned water that travels through pipes and basically creates um, similar to what your air conditioning does um, in terms of the chilled water um, basically going through pipes and heat exchangers and, and providing heating and cooling so we have no we have no therefore no chillers no um, uh, no boilers um, you know in terms of you know no carbon emissions associated with that and as EdWave gets uh, more closer to it being carbon neutral, it also makes the, the property become carbon neutral as well. And by the fact that we don't have chillers or, or, or boilers on a rooftop allows us an opportunity to have a restaurant on our 38th floor, which will have a, a, a 7,000 square foot patio as well. A big part of the space for shopping and food hotspots is open air. And I know what you're thinking, brr, especially as the seasons change. But there is a really cool artsy feature that will help shelter you from icky Toronto elements, and you'll hear more about that in just a moment. But the openness of the space is by design, even when it comes to where they put the elevators. What you have is in a traditional building, you have the elevators that are in the middle of the building at the end of the day, right? So that means, to put it very simply, um, so what happens is that your ability to see north, south, east, west is, in, is impeded by, the, by having this large, massive walls surround the elevators. What we did at the, the well is we actually shifted them to the side. So they're actually facing Spadina. And actually, our mid-rise elevators are glass, which you'll be able to see through as you go from the ground to your, your floor. So they actually will be looking northward to, uh, to Spadina. Um, but what that allows is for a large amount of light to actually permeate into the office space, which is fabulous because everyone loves sunshine, um, and be more immersive versus uh, segregated into multiple, uh, multiple segments. It's kind of hard to picture, right? A big city block with all of that stuff sparkling office buildings, residential units, a food market, cafes, restaurants like Mandy's and Oliver and Bonaccini, a gym, a nail salon, public art like Emergence, a cast metal, nearly three meter tall sculpture by Brooklyn-based artist Dustin Yellen. What other place in the world can we find something similar to the well? The, the one that comes to mind, but not necessarily was done all at one side at one time, was Hudson Yards in New York. Um, you know, you can, it basically, there's an open promenade, um, there's a, a mix of residential, office, and retail. Um, so I think that's probably the, the closest that I would say would reflect what we're doing um, at the well. The well, even though you can draw comparisons to Hudson Yard, is very unique and will be a welcomed addition to the King West neighborhood. But I realize that your definition of King West might be different depending on when you were born and found yourself maybe partying in the city of Toronto, which is to say that it's gone through a lot of changes in the past few decades at least. So I wanted to know, how important was this location to the success of the entire project? One of the partners, Allied Reed, is very, very familiar with the King West area. If you go along King West, you'll notice that many of the buildings are owned by Allied. And their familiarity with the site and understanding and believing that it was a distinct and very, very potentially a great extension of that neighborhood um, and the ability to actually concentrate a, 
a large um, office tower at the corner of Francis Bayona was very, very strategic in knowing that many of the firms that were occupying their space were, we'll call it, startup tech firms. And eventually, these startup tech firms become very successful and as such require greater space in order to accommodate their growth. Um, you know, couple in with the fact of the expertise and understanding of the retail side by RioCan um, created a, a very, very strategic partnership. And the reality is that they believed in the area as being up and coming and densifying um, the site itself um, in terms of having 1,700 residential units and the surrounding areas. So we thought there would be a sufficient capacity in order to um, basically um, assist in terms of providing the demand required for the retail component. So it was, um, so we see ourselves as not necessarily a, um, as some shopping centers do in terms of an oasis amongst a, we'll call it a neighborhood, uh, because they have very little degree of permeability. We see ourselves as an extension of the King West area um, in that we don't want to be segregated from it. We want uh, all the community and the residents, uh, both east, west, north and south, to actually come into the site. And you can see that through the walkability of the site, the accessibility of the site. We have over probably 10, 15 ways in order to enter the complex which allows for us to be, um, you know, try to emulate a street front uh, with respect to how we're doing. We don't have any conditioned air, so it's an open air environment. Um, what we do have is the luxury having a 30,000 square foot glass canopy to protect people against inclement weather. On the way, you'll learn about one of Anthony's favorite features of the well that kind of acts like the backbone of the entire project. Also, I may have accidentally named it. You'll hear more after this. One of the big features of the well is this canopy, a sweeping 2,000 pane glass structure that acts as an artful barrier to the elements. And it kind of looks like a wavy spine, which is fitting because it's like the backbone of this entire project and is general manager Anthony Casalinguida's favorite part. The canopy itself is, uh, I believe, to be art in itself in terms of just the nuances of it. Um, if you go to other, we'll call it, you know, retail complexes where they have, let's say, a glass canopy, they're very static in comparison to these because they just run one single plane. Um, the canopy, which we still haven't named yet, um, in terms of what it deserves, just like the hive um, or in, in uh, Hudson Yards. Um, so we're, we're, we're going to work on that and maybe we'll, we'll send it out to the public to give us ideas on it. Uh, hint, hint. Um, but uh, I love it because of the fact that it actually, it, it's almost like a wave. Um, and it works really well insofar as we used to, if you, you look at the well where it is in, in position to preview, like, past decades, that's where the, 
So that's where the waterfront used to be. All from Front Street onward is infill. Yeah. And it really subtly suggests, and, and it looks like it's a wave running through and considering our location and and uh, the past, it's it just a subtle reminder in terms of how, tr- how Toronto has transformed and, and become, um, you know, the, the beautiful city that it is. That's cool. I'm, my pitch for the name, when you said wave and I hear the well, I think of the swell. The swell. You know what? That's good. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot, actually. I mean, you can have it, but it'll cost you $50 or I'll accept a gift card to Mandy's. While the well hasn't opened officially, it has opened softly. You can go see it right now. There are things happening there, including the unveiling of seven incredible public art pieces. And there's also the adorable Draper Park that's a part of this project as well. Tucked on Draper, just north of Front, is a little urban oasis. It was designed by the same group behind Toronto's Berksy Park, Claude Cormier and Associates, so there's a whimsical animal element to it in the form of a guardian cat. The park connects Draper to the retail gallery, and you may think Draper is a tiny street with not a lot going on, and you might be right, but it's also kind of legendary. And amid the late 19th century row houses is the birthplace of Canada's first Black MP, Lincoln Alexander. For more on that, here's producer Glenn Bergonier. And like you've mentioned quite a bit in your part of the podcast here, Danny, there's a lot of changes going on right near Draper Street. Like that small and unique little parquette that's being created at 19 Draper that will connect it to the well. But if you're more of a historical buff and you want to find out some more, do you know that if you go just down the road to 29 Draper Street, you'll find the home of Canada's very first Black Member of Parliament, Black Cabinet Member, and even this province's very first Black Lieutenant Governor, the Honorable Lincoln Alexander. So let's learn a little bit more about Lincoln Alexander. He was born in 1922 at 29 Draper Street, but sadly did not stay in Toronto actually for too long, as he had to move to the United States with his mother after his parents divorced as a teenager. But the call to be Canadian did return, and actually in 1939, he returned to Canada to help with the war effort. During this time, he joined the Royal Canadian Air Force, but was trained as a wireless operator due to his poor eyesight. However, after the war, when he was honorably discharged, he went to McMaster University and then later to Osgoode Hall to receive his law degree and open up his own firm. Then, in 1968, feeling the call for political life, Lincoln Alexander ran with the Federal Conservative Party and was victorious, making him the first black MP in the country's history of a Hamilton West riding. In fact, he was so beloved that he was elected four more times for a 12-year span. And after his party actually took power, for a very short window at least, he became the first black cabinet minister serving in the Ministry of Labor. That is, until his conservative party was ousted during a vote of no confidence in 1980. But as much as that should slow him down, it didn't. If anything, it might have propelled him forward as in 1985, just five years after, he was appointed to the position of Lieutenant Governor of Ontario, once again becoming the first black man to do so. Sadly, after decades of public service and political life, in October of 2012, at the age of 90, the Honorable Lincoln Macaulay Alexander passed away peacefully in his sleep. And so in memory of his many achievements, January 21st, which actually was his birthday, by the way, 
became forever known as Lincoln Alexander Day in Ontario in 2013 and then became a National Day of Recognition in 2015. And so next time you're walking about the well or you're trying to find that secluded small park on Draper Street, how about you walk just a few houses down to 29 Draper and you see the childhood home of Lincoln Alexander, the man who broke the racial ceiling for generations to come and also in 2006 was voted as the greatest Hamiltonian of all time. So much history packed into such a small street. Lincoln Alexander may have roots on Draper in Toronto, but he's a pretty big deal in Hamilton, as you heard, and even has an elementary school named after him and a major throughway known as the Lincoln M. Alexander Parkway, which is interesting because apparently the man didn't drive. This podcast is brought to you by 640 Toronto and features audio from shows across the Chorus Entertainment Network. My name's Danny Stover. Today in TO is produced by me, Glenn Bergonier, and David Spargala. Chris Dunner and Andrew Dernford are advisors to the show. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. Till then, have a great week, and we'll talk soon.